step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. What's up, everybody? Just kicking a podcast. I'm Justin Huntsman, talking hoops, shoes, and literally what's ever on my mind. Let's kick it. What's up, everybody? Episode 63 of the Just Kicking a Podcast. Today's guest is Coach James Young. Before I bring him on, as always, first off, I want to wish you guys happy holidays. I haven't been on since Christmas happened. Hope you guys brought in the new year right. But as always, guys, if you enjoy the content, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any audio platform on Apple Podcasts. Hey, if you want to drop the five-star rating and review, I always appreciate it. But today's guest, we just linked up last week. I was invited on their show on SportsGrid. So I had to return the favor. Coach James Young, host on Sports Grid and former head women's coach at Monmouth University. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. And uh, it's good to talk a little bit of hoops. I, I was going to say, we had fun talking hoops in the two segments I was on. What was that last week? And I was like, all right, well, we, we had so much fun. We've been texting back and forth. Why, why don't we just chop it off over some mics and... We were just uh, talking now before I hit record, and the first wave of fan voting came in for the NBA All-Star Game this year. Fan voting closes January 22nd, and we won't dive too deeply into this, but let's talk about the West voting first. And I actually don't think the fans did that bad. We were talking about it is a popularity contest when you see some names, but I'm just going to read off the top six to you. It's LeBron, Nikola Jokic, Paul George, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Anthony Davis. And those would be technically at six and six, six front courts, six guards. When you see that list, what do you make of it? I see four out of the six realistically making the all-star game. Yeah, I mean, obviously LeBron's going to make it. You know, Joker's going to make it. I think Andrew Wiggins has had a phenomenal year. You know, he's really stepped up. And Draymond's been outstanding. Now, I don't think Anthony Davis should be in there because I don't think he's going to play enough games. Same thing with PG3. So I go down the line a little bit. First one off the bat is Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's had a phenomenal year for Utah this year. I think he's he's deserving of an all-star nod. And I'm going to go the one right below him at number 10. Uh, I, I'm going to go with DeAndre Ayton. I think he's been a double-double machine. I think Phoenix is a way better team when he's involved in the offense. So, to me, LeBron, Joker, Wiggins, Green, Gobert, and Ayton would be my six frontcourt guys. And probably the seventh would probably be Cat right behind them. Uh, would be my top six, seven guys for the Western Conference front court players. So we slightly disagree. I, I'm with you, obviously, LeBron, Joker. I, I'm going to say LeBron, Joker, and Draymond will probably be the starting uh, front court for the West All-Star game. And then I look at other guys. Wiggins has probably been the best 3 and D guy in the NBA, just purely like that tagline of 3 and D. And then the other one I go with, I would have Carl Anthony Towns instead of DeAndre Aiden. Aiden's been hurt, and his value has shown even in the games that he's not played for the Suns. I don't know what the hold-up contract-wise is for them. I just think the longer you put that off, the more strains put on that relationship. But Carly Towns, while he's been in the lineup, I think when he, Patrick Beverly, and Anthony Edwards play, the Timberwolves are 13-6. and six. So they've been a good team. They've been banged up like any other team in the league this year. Had some COVID issues. But when he's been able to play, I mean, Cat's a great guy. Obviously, the Jimmy feud a few years back, I think, has kind of given him an image around the league of what kind of guy he is. But at the end of the day, he's one of the most talented centers, and he's made all-star games before. 
I think it's pretty deservedly so, but we can flip it over to the guards then. And again, popularity contest in some, some way. We have Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. I actually think the fans did pretty good here besides Clay Thompson. I, you know, these are going to be the five guys I think you see in the All-Star game this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Steph's going to obviously be there. Luka's going to be there. John, you know, we'll talk about him and what I, what I think he is probably should be one of the favorites right now to be the MVP of the league. You know, D-Book has been D-Book. CP3 has been phenomenal. And I just go one below there, and I go to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. It's one of these things in the, in the West and in the NBA. You're in Salt Lake City. There's nothing going on out there. No one talks about him. But you got to talk about Spider Mitchell and the season he's having right now. And I would argue, based on the stats and how he's played and how well they played, I think he should be, if you started three, you wouldn't start you starting two. But if he did start three in the backcourt, I would go with Curry, Luka, and I actually would go Donovan Mitchell because I think his impact on the game and on Utah has been phenomenal. So I do think there's a little bit of disrespect. After that, you got to look at, obviously, you know, Dame's been injured a lot. But go down. Let's go down to another team that's going to talk about a lot, like Minnesota. How about Anthony Edwards? Phenomenal statistical year, playing extremely well. He's got that team, could sniff themselves into a top 10 seed. So look at Cat. I'm sorry, if Anthony Edwards doesn't make it this year, where I think he may, maybe as a replacement guy, look to Anthony Edwards to definitely make an all-star game next year. Yeah, I'm with you. Flip Donovan Mitchell in um, for Clay Thompson. Those are six. Anthony Edwards, I would assume, is going to get an invite to the dunk contest again this year, whether or not he takes it. I mean, I've had this conversation with a few people now, whether – it's going to turn into his team in Minnesota or Conley Towns, whether or not it changes or not. Like they have a ton of talent. I do. I think they will be a playing team. They just have to stay healthy. That's kind of been their issue so far this year. And the other funny thing, offensively, this has probably been Patrick Beverly's best year in the league. It's kind of funny to see what he's done there. And obviously for as corny as some of the things in the antics he does on the court, I do think he is a culture setter in some ways when he comes into your locker room and demands certain things and just kind of, because some guys, you don't want to hear them talk nonstop in a year, right? So just do the right thing, and you don't have to hear them. I think Patrick Beverly is one of those guys, and that's kind of why you see him when he's in the lineup. Minnesota's a better defensive team. And then you have underrated guys like Jared, Jared Vanderbilt and Jaden McDaniels, who are two good defenders as well, because they have a top-10 defense in the league. So it's interesting. I mean, obviously, Beverly won't make the All-Star game, but talking about Anthony Edwards and Cat, it just made me think of what Beverly's impact on them has been this year as well. Well, let's look at where he left which is the Clippers. What do they miss? They miss that grit. Here's the thing about P-Bev. He will turn the game around. Yep. If you like it or not, if you're not playing the right way, he'll get in your face. If you're playing against him, he'll get in your face. Yeah. So either way, Pat Bev is that guy that's going to get you rolling, get you get under your skin. He's one of those guys like, you know, like the lame beers in the world. You hate to play against him but you always want that guy on your team because you know he's going to battle. So Pat Bev has been a, a key addition. Listen, you got to hope for Minnesota. You know, me growing up and, and being my age, you know, and, and growing up in, in the New Jersey area and playing against Marbury, you know, uh, when we were younger in AAU, playing against Kevin Garnett in the AAU National Tournament when I was young, you know, I want to see that franchise succeed. Nothing to do with A-Rod. I don't give two, you know, once about A-Rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to see that small market team succeed. And they got pieces. And it seems like the new coach they got in is doing a really good job. Let's see if they can hold on because a top 10 seed for them 
in a playing tournament would do one to trim because maybe they're that team like the Phoenix a couple of years ago, uh, like the Memphis this year. Maybe they're a team that they just get in and then they take that next step a year from now once they get a little bit of experience. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think they just need that little bit of boost of confidence. Let's flip over to the East. And this is actually where I think the fans got all six right in the front court. We have Kevin Durant. We have Giannis, Joel Embiid. Like those are your three starters. I think those are locked in. Out of any position group in these all-star games, I don't think there's a more locked in three than Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. And then you have Tatum coming in at four, Jimmy Butler five, Jared Allen at six. Those are the six I actually would personally pick for the front court. I want your thoughts on this because the four guys under them also probably have some arguments to make an all-star game as well. They do, but these six have been have been fantastic. I mean, you could argue, if you're going to ask me, you know, maybe you could talk about Bridges, but Charlotte's kind of tailed off yeah, lately, yes. and they don't play, and they play no defense. So it's hard to think about that guy could, with Bridges, maybe more of a stat guy. I look at Vuce. I think he's been really good. You know, we'll talk about Chicago. They're one of these teams that legitimately have three number one scoring options. The guy's a double-double machine. I think the top six are perfect where they are, but if there's an injury replacement, I'm going to go to 10 and I'm going to go Vuce first. Yeah, I think that's the best because Bam's been injured pretty much the whole season. Like you said, Miles Bridges, I mean, I I think in the first 15 games or something like that, he was shooting like 38 to 40% from three. Well, right now he's actually like scared of taking these jump shots. He's kind of reverted back. And that's kind of a scary thing to see if I'm Charlotte is just, Obviously, this is his contract year. So what just kind of evolves here? I know he turned down, I believe it was 60 or 65 million in the offseason. Obviously, he'll probably get more when they negotiate or they might let him walk. Marcus Aldridge has been solid off the bench for Brooklyn. He's not an all-star. I would agree. Vooch has been good of late. He struggled to start the season. But we'll go to the backcourt, where I actually think Chicago has an argument of getting both starters in DeRozan and Levine. But we're going through the fan vote. DeRozan's one, Harden's two, Trey Young three, Levine four, LaMelo Ball five, and... The fans' favorite, Clary, Kyrie Irving at six, who's not going to make an all-star game. But that one made me chuckle earlier today, along with Derrick Rose, of just two guys that clearly have huge fan bases but are not going to be making all-star games this year. No, I completely agree. Listen, you can't argue that DeRozan and Levine should be the starting backcourt. They've been dynamic. They've been spectacular. You know, Harden's been hard. Trey Young's been good, but that team hasn't performed up to expectations. Yes, they're dealing with a lot of COVID over the last couple of weeks. But they haven't lived up to billing. Lamelo's had a great year, uh, and then you look at Hero. But the guy, there's two guys that I really think we need to talk about, Who's and it's and Darius ten. Garland and it's Fred VanVleet. Yes. They got to be considered for All Stars. So that was exactly where I wanted to go. Is is that so? The first five, I have no argument with: DeRozan, Harden, Young, Levine, Lamelo. Those are your five. That last spot, because it's going to come down again to your coaches and players. And usually I take the coaches vote a little bit more because players, you vote for your teammates or, or you're just like, they hand it at the end of practice. Like, I don't care about this. Let me just fill in some random names. But that's going to be interesting between Garland and Van Vliet, right? Like to me, Van Vliet is probably the better player at the moment. Garland will be the better player and is ascending right now. Cleveland has the better record. So it's almost a preference between the two players, both two small guards, both are 6'2", six, 6'1", six, right? Garland only played four games in college Vanderbilt where you have Van Vliet as a four-year guy who, if you had to pick between the two, who would you go with making the all-star team this year? You know, it's one of those things where it's really a toss up. I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. Here's how I'm going to say this. If Jared Allen does not make the all-star team, then you got to put Darius Garland. You can't go with Cleveland going to the all-star game with zero all-stars 
when they've been arguably the best story in the NBA on, you know, an Eastern side, along with Chicago. Chicago, some people thought they were going to be good. Nobody expected Cleveland. They're going to hit their, they may hit their over under wins by the end of this month. So you got to look at Garland getting them to the officer game. If Jared Allen doesn't, if he, if Jared Allen gets it, then I could see Van Vliet getting it because he's a little bit more of the established player. And let's find a way to get, you know, Darius in next year. I think that's a good way of wording it. I don't really have a problem. Like I, like I agree with you. If Cleveland just needs one of them, it's one or the other. Now, when we're looking at this, I think it's a clear picture of Jared Allen getting in and over Van Vliet, but it's going to be interesting. I'm just, I also am always interested. We don't ever hear these opinions from coaches, but I always feel like coaches are thinking, all right, well, we game plan for these guys. We have these scouts and what do they do when we throw these certain things at them? And like, cause Garland's probably one of the, a top three shifty guard in the league. So I have to imagine coaches when they see him are like, Jesus, like we, we tried to throw something at him and he's breaking us down. So that's another thing that just goes in my mind of like whether or not he makes an all-star game. I think he'd be an all-star game material as well, just like LaMelo. I think they're fun in that kind of atmosphere. I wonder if that plays into guys' minds as well. I think it does because Darius is, like you said, a shifty guard, probably one of the best combo guards in regards to creating his own shot and creating shots for his teammates, really has excelled since Colin Sexton has gotten injured. So that's going to be interesting when Colin Sexton yep. comes back. You know, you got to move one of them. I know they were thinking about moving Sexton before. Maybe they now have to do it. But Garland is someone that can get his own shot. Jared Allen, if you watch Cleveland closely, he gets his stuff on putbacks, post-ups, getting the ball, and running the floor and offensive rebounds. He doesn't do a lot of Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go get a bucket. He's not throwing. If yep. they want to go to go get a ball in the post to score, they're more looking like to go give it to Evan Mobley than they are to give it to Jared Allen. So if you think about stylistically, like what will like jive more for, you know, the public. Yeah, it's, it's Garland. It's absolutely Garland. But you can't discredit what Jared Allen has done and brought to Cleveland. Agreed. One last point on Jared Allen is, and this is defensively, and this is really where Cleveland's made their bread and butter, their top 10 defensive team, is their point of attack defense isn't that great. But the field goal percentage team shoot in the paint against them is one of the lowest in the leagues. And that's because you have Mobley, you have Markin. They have so much length in the lane, including Jared Allen. I just think that's another, obviously it's not sexy. It's the same thing with Rudy Gobert, but like it's so important to a defense and especially how the NBA is officiated now, even with the new rules, which is how guards can get in the lane. If you have that back line that can deter guys or just alter shots, that makes all the difference in the world right now. And you're absolutely right. If you look at it, when you looked at Cleveland last year, everybody talked about what they struggled. Besides Isaac O'Carroll, they struggled guarding the perimeter, which is Sexton, which is Garland. So what do they do? They do it. The, they can't get rid of either of them. They're two of their cornerstone pieces. So what do you do? The draft sets up for you perfectly where Mobley drops the three. Boom. You get Jared Allen last year, and then you make a really smart trade 
for marketing and getting rid of Larry Nance Jr. And it's just a perfect fit for them because they're long, they're athletic. Marketing could guard three, four, five. You know, if it's not a bruising five, Jared Allen can go four, five. And then Mobley can go three, four, five. So now you could switch like screens, any cross screens, any big on big action. They're involved. You, If one of them is involved in pick and roll action defense and you roll, they could be weak side block shots. So it's really the way that they've constructed this team to, to go with the two dynamic scoring guards has been really been an unbelievable story in Cleveland. I love when teams build to their strengths, but I want to move off the all-star game because we said Trey Young's going to make it, but Atlanta's probably been the disappointment of this NBA season so far, right? 12th in the East. And I know they were decimated by COVID. One thing I will give them that they should be pissed off at the league for how they've handled other teams have gotten games postponed where the Hawks have had like 13 replacement players playing in a certain game. And I just don't think that's fair in certain aspects. Now, again, they're only two games back to the eight spot, so they can still make a run. But their GM, Travis Schlank, after they lost to Portland earlier this week, I forget if that was Monday or Tuesday, and Trey had the 56th spot with 14 assists, pretty much said on the, the next morning, we probably shouldn't have brought everybody back, which caught a lot of eyes. And they've been rumored to be looking for a uh, consolidation trade, like a two-for-one trade. So let me throw this out to you real quick. I want your thoughts. You already gave me a rebuttal, so I want to dive into this. The Hawks offering Cam Reddish and Danilo Gallinari – for Jeremy Grant from Detroit because Detroit's tanky right now. Jeremy Grant doesn't align with their timeline. He's good enough to compete to a championship team. He's obviously been asked for by a t- bunch of contenders. I know the Lakers were thrown out there, but the Lakers just don't have what it takes to get a Jeremy Grant. What do you think of that? And what is your rebuttal to that kind of trade? I think if you, if you look at what's going on, you know, with, 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 with Atlanta, they need, help and they need someone to score because the problem is is let's be very honest john collins is an absolute enigma nobody knows what you're getting out of john collins some days john collins will give you 25 points 10 rebounds other games john collins may not give you five points and five rebounds so it definitely is something where you know it it, it would it would you know they need to move on and, and bring in a little bit more of a scoring punch. And then you could bring, you know, one of those guys off the bench. Cam Reddish, you know, has never really been getting the, the fair opportunity there. And, you know, it'd be something where you could get a two for one and then you could turn around and you can, you can move, you know, Gallinari to a third team, maybe to an, a, a contender to get another draft pick. I do like that for both teams because I think Cam Reddish with Sadiq Bay would be a nice little front court Isaac Stewart, undersized, you know, center. Then, of course, you know, you have Cade Cunningham at the point point guard spot. So that would be a nice little mix for that team going forward. I've looked at, you know, in a way, I think they need something to help Capella. And I look to my hometown team in the New York Knicks that what do they need? They need shooting because they can't score (laughs) worth worth a a lick. So you start looking at, you know, salaries here and the fact of could the Knicks throw something together um, like a, a Nerland's Noel and a first round draft pick for a, a Cam Reddish, or you may have to throw in, you know, some kind of, I'm like playing around with like the ESPN, like trade machine. So you gotta, you know, you gotta add up the salary. So maybe you gotta, you gotta add in, you know, 
I don't know, Lou Williams or, 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 or Gorgie Dang or, or, or someone, you know, to kind of make the salaries work a little bit. But it, it, it's interesting because I really thought coming out of Duke, I thought that Cam Reddish was going to be a really good pro. But the thing that we haven't realized is, is how good Bogdanovich has been since he's got there. You have Trey, you know, you have Florida, you have guys. So they don't need guard help. They need post help. And they need someone either as a grant as a, a small ball five slash stretch four, if you want to bring Collins off the bench, or you can go with the Orleans and Wall. Now, the one good thing I was just thinking about with Collins is this. He does shoot it well enough. He's not a he's not a, he's not a marketing shooter, but they could be, you know, Cleveland light with Grant and Capella and Collins. And there's your big front court that can kind of protect the rim because obviously we know that Trey and Bogdanovich have never been known to be perimeter defenders. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where Jeremy Grant makes a ton of sense for them is defensively because DeAndre Hunter is their big X factor, but he's fairly healthy right now. And I, th- I obviously the the biggest available like the biggest ability in sports is availability, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. They just they aren't great this year. Like Trey Young made the comments earlier in the year that like the regular season was boring, which took me off guard of like you made the playoffs once and we're already viewing it that way. It was quite, quite an odd statement. And it just feels like they've drafted so well over the past few years that they're due for a consolidation trade off the fact that you can't pay all these guys. Like Hunter's coming up for an extension. Herder just got paid now reddish. And if reddish goes to either the Knicks or Detroit, he's going to get more opportunity. I honestly told Pat when they were coming out of Duke, I thought he was the most skilled out of Zion Barrett out of the three of them. I just don't think he's been able to give him the opportunity. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Supposedly him and Lloyd Pierce kind of clashed heads. Now, Nate McMillan has given him a little bit more latitude and you can see with the injuries, he's gone off. He made that three last night against Sacramento that pretty much won them the game. I think he had 21 points, but he needs to go to another destination where it's almost like a second draft and he can get going again. I think it makes a lot of sense for both sides, especially after what Travis Schlank said of how the Hawks want to consolidate. Yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense to move him. And, and, he, and he's young enough, and he's got a, a nice enough contract that someone can take a chance. Yeah. And like I said, you can get a protected first-round pick. Listen, he hasn't been given a lot of opportunities. You're absolutely right. But in the playoffs against uh, the Bucks, he showed out yeah, a couple of games, and he showed out really well. I think he had a couple of double-figure games, one big game, if I'm not mistaken. So it was the closest he, he turned yeah, up. Yep. Yeah, he, he, so he is someone that you got to consider – Bring it in as a young piece on a on a on a rookie contract, only making four point six million. So Atlanta's got to think about that because it's got to be a way where they have to improve their team. And with all those other guys that are still young, we haven't even talked about DeAndre Hunter, who can never stay healthy. Imagine if they got him healthy. You know, I definitely think this is a trade that should be talked about. Is using you know an asset that you have that you don't use to get, get an asset from someone else. Let's stay in the East, and then we're going to go to the West for our last two topics, segments, whatever you would like to call them. The Boston Celtics, we were texting back and forth because they play the Knicks tonight. This will come out tomorrow, so people have already seen the game. But they're the 10th seed in the East, and my God, are they a hot mess. Now, uh, before the season, I was not enamored with this roster. A lot of people were like, oh, they're, they're a mystery, and that what makes them like could be good. I, no, 
I, 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 what has frustrated me with this Ross construction, I've said it over and over again, they need a Ricky Rubio. Like they desperately need a Ricky Rubio because you have Jason or Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who both can get a bucket, but they're not great at setting up other guys, right? So when you have two guys that are like that, you're usually going to fall into a lot of ISO, uh, just ISO action. Like that's just what they do. Like even if you have a play drawn up, a lot of those guys are just going to break down and be like, yeah, all right, let, let me take them one-on-one now. Al Horford's probably their best playmaker alongside Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's not an NBA point guard. Like he's a good secondary guy and a secondary creator, but this team is begging for a point guard. I thought they should have signed Rubio in the offseason. And they've missed in the draft a lot. I know the big one that a lot of Celtics, including our Pat Foster, is frustrated about is drafting Aaron Neesmith last year instead of Desmond Bain because Neesmith hasn't been, has not done much as a Celtic so far. And Bain, after Brooks went down, has made a lethal backcourt with John Morant that we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just want your thoughts on this Celtics team because I just think the roster construction has been so frustrating and they almost feel like they're at a dead end right now where, with nowhere to go. Well, here's here's your issue. No, no, no point guard because I, I know Dennis Schroeder has been okay for them, but yeah. he does not do it for me. Nope. Okay, he he. I mean, he he shouldn't even talk after giving up four for eighty some odd million to the Lakers <laughs> to go try out free agent, which may have been the you big dummy award for the for the week. But when you look at Boston, no point guard play, two ball dominant shooting guards slash small forwards. Because Jason Tatum does not want to go down low and post up. He wants to attack people off the bounce. And you see it every time. They never go off at the same time, very rarely. They're going to play in New York. Opening night, Jalen Brown went off. Tatum couldn't hit anything. Last night, same thing. When one of them is hurt or in COVID protocol, the other one goes off. So what, what do I think they need? They need a shooter and they need a point guard. So... I was thinking about this for a while. I'm like, who can they go get that can help them that may not cost a ton of money, but you're going to have to throw stuff the other way. They need to get a shooter, but the guy I would do is this. And I don't know if you've ever pulled this off. Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox. Now, here's why, and the trade works because their salaries are within like a million and a half, so it works. Mm-hmm. Here's why I say this. Sacramento has got a glut of point guards. They got three point guards and Mitchell, Halliburton, and Fox. And I don't care what anybody says. I love Davion Mitchell at Baylor. Everybody knew that was not going to work with the three guards. It wasn't going to work. But then you go to what do they need? They need they need a they need an alpha guy. They need a number one scoring option because let's be honest. Harrison Barnes should get traded at the deadline if they're not if they're not near the playoffs. So now we're talking about you know rebuilding the roster. Well, how about you rebuild it with Mitchell and you know Halliburton and Jalen Brown? That's that's not that's not a bad way to start a franchise. And then De'Aaron Fox in Boston as a playmaker, as a guy that can push the pace. You let Marcus Smart go be his guy. They're going to be two dogs in the backcourt guarding people. And then you turn around and then you can just say to Jason Tatum, hey, this is your team. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take the ball on the wing. Go to work. You got Robert Williams, who I think is tremendously underused there. And I think it would be something that would benefit Boston. You know, I would love to find a way to you can get more than that. I would love to find a way to get a guy like a Buddy Heald as well. But the salaries are just so much you can't do it. But straight up, one for one, De'Aaron Fox, you know, for Jalen Brown, I think that's a trade that works out for both organizations right away and in the future. I think it makes a ton of sense. I've been saying – literally since draft night when Davion Mitchell got taken, I was like, is De'Aaron Fox getting traded? Cause you have to remember a new GM came in for the Sacramento. So usually when that happens, I didn't draft this guy. He's not my guy. Right. Like, so that's usually the talk of the town. They just signed De'Aaron Fox to that five year, whatever it is, $190 million extension or whatever the rookie extension he got another one I'll throw out for you. And I don't think OKC would do it, but what about Jalen Brown for Gilgis Alexander? That's another guy of, depending on what OKC wants. Now, obviously, I think they want to form Shy and Josh Kitty uh, together as a backcourt. But another team where OKC could be like, all right, well, maybe we want to wing instead. And Shy wants to win. We'll go to Boston and team up with, with Jason Tatum. I definitely think those are one of the trades they need to make, though. As a younger guard that's 24 under that can match with Tatum, I think both make a ton of sense. Yeah, they, they, they need a young, dynamic, playmaking one to go get it. So when you start going around the association, you know, what, where, where can you find it? Well, you're not going to get any of them from Brooklyn, you know, and you just go down, you know, you're not going to get a guy like a Van Fleet, you know, you know, they already got, you know, Chicago's got their point guard. I mean, maybe Colin Sexton. I, I don't know if that does it enough for me because I don't think Colin Sexton's more of a scoring guard. He's more of a, a playmaker. Pace. Yeah. Right. You know, Brogdon, no, he's more of a tweener. He's kind of plotty. That doesn't work. You know, D'Angelo Russell, well, his best friend is Cat, so he ain't going anywhere. So once you start zeroing in on young, dynamic point guards, you're not going to get LaMelo. That makes sense. It's, it is one of those two guys. It is SGA, and it's De'Aaron Fox. Now, a sneaky one that I would throw out there, but I don't, I don't think he is – it will not cost you as much, and he's on his rookie deal too – is what about a guy like, oh, man, of course the phone's ringing. Um, what about, and I know it sounds crazy, what about like a Cole Anthony? Because I don't see how him and Jalen Suggs stick it out together. That, that's another one more with the Magic, because they they traded for RJ Hampton. They have Cole Anthony. They have Suggs. They have a bunch of guards. Uh, Markel Fultz hasn't played this year, but he will be coming back. Again, another four, and none of them are point guards. It's funny. Like they all are combo guards. Like Jalen Suggs, like when I look at all these guys, they're combo guards. None of them, they can get you in your sets and stuff like that, but none of them really scream point guard, like prototypical point guard to me. So again, I agree. Like they're going to have to make a decision on some of these guys. If you want to go after a Hampton or a Cole Anthony, I think either makes sense. It's just kind of how does Orlando value these guys and how much are they in a rush to move anybody, right? Because when you're at this, everybody's under 21 phase. It's kind of like, all right, we have to see who's better than who for the first two, three years, because pretty much that predicates on who are we going to pay at the end of the day. Right. And I think the thing, the reason why I bring up a team 
you know, like Orlando is at some point, like kind of like, you know, what's going on in Oakland said, at some point you got to stop the rebuild and you got to start to make your move and make your move. And I just think, you know, obviously they're going to ask for the moon when it comes to someone, you know, like, uh, you know, Jalen Brown, but I'm sure there's some throwaway contracts that Orlando has, you know, that they can get rid of, you know, maybe you thought if you want to get someone off the bench, I could score, maybe do like a, like a Terrence Ross that can step in that could score for them. You know, maybe that, that kind of helps out a little bit. You know, if you want to back up big, you know, Robin Lopez is on an expiring deal. So now you could brock up Williams with a Robin Lopez. So I think there is a way that you can kind of do it. It's just a matter of how much does Boston want to blow it up? And do they take a chance on a young dynamic point guard that can actually build that you could kind of build the future with, with a Jason Tatum? Speaking of dynamic point guards, this is probably my favorite guy to watch in the NBA right now, and that's John Morant. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies, to me, are one of the most fun teams to watch. I think they've drafted tremendous over the year. So I'm going to give you this statement real quick, and I'm interested in your answer. John Morant is a blank point guard in the NBA. Man, I mean, he's top three. He's top three. You know, if, if, I mean, and, and you you could argue he's top three now. He may be number one by next year. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you if you if you go through the league and you think about and and you know he's such a the reason why I think he is is the way he impacts the game everywhere. Offensively pushes the pace. His jump shot is better. He attacks the abandonment. He can pass the ball. He rebounds great for a point guard. And he is a defensive one-man press. I mean, he can do it all. I, I would say this, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it. Everybody's talking about, you know, Steph Curry for MVP. or talking about Kevin Durant for MVP. Why is John Morant getting no love and consideration? It's funny. He got hurt. They played. They went on that nine, like that 91 run. Yep. And then this, this crazy, stupid narrative came out that, Oh, they may be better without John Morant. John Morant was like, man, are you kidding me with that nonsense? And he just came back and he's been absolutely tortured. What what he did to Brooklyn on Monday was criminal. Like he, he shouldn't have been allowed. They should have arrested him before he left before he left the Barclay Center. What he did to that team. I mean, he put them in. It was it was embarrassing. So that is a guy that when you look at and you look at the odds MVP. Man, can we please put some respect on John Morant's name because he has been playing at an absolute MVP level and he is an absolute top three point guard in the NBA. I'd agree with you, top three. I'd probably at this moment, I like the question always is Steph Curry a point guard? If you want to include him, I'd probably have Steph and Trey Young as the other two with him in that argument. CP3 is still there. I think overall, he's just a great guard, but like Physically on a night to night basis, I still think John Murray, like guys like that give CP3 fits at this moment. CP3 is just probably the smartest guard in the game at this point. But Jaw is so great. And it's funny that you pointed out how he went out and they went nine and one. It's because they drafted so well. And they also have the best backup point guard in the NBA in, in uh, Tyus Jones. So people obviously aren't are going to be like, all right, so why does that matter? Because Tyus just then goes in, into the starting lineup and just runs their sets perfectly. You have guys like Desmond Bain who stepped up for Dylan Brooks when he went out. Desmond Bain's now a 19-point-per-game scorer. Jaron Jackson Jr. gets you 18. Steven Adams fits better with 
Memphis than he does New Orleans because it, it just is a way better roster construction and a way better fit. Like go through Memphis, who they play on a nightly basis on the 10 guys. One, all 10 are always prepared and they all can serve a role. Like they're all average to above average NBA players. And when people are like, oh, it's an average NBA player, like an average NBA player is pretty damn good. So like if you have a everybody who's coming in your lineup and in your rotation, like you're going to be a solid team. Like you go down the line, whether they're playing Brandon Clark that night or Xavier Tillman, they have so many guys to pull off the bench. I just think they're a quality, quality team. They're fourth in the West and they're not going anywhere, right? Like they're 25 and 14 and they're probably going to stay in that top five, top six in the West. I agree. I don't know if Morant will get the MVP nod this year, but one's coming soon, right? The signature shoe commercials are already starting with Nike coming up. I think he's going to be an all NBA guy this year. He should start in the all-star game next to Steph. In my opinion, I just think my guy, Zach Ramey, who has an uh, off the glass podcast. It's a great thing. He pretty much said he's similar to Derek Rose, but he has Chris Paul's IQ. Like he, he can control a game so well. And I, I just, I love watching him. He's my favorite show in basketball right now because I like guards are obviously who I am attracted to and watching Morant on a nightly basis. You can feel the passion, like some things like that, that you can't measure those intangibles just jump off. And I also think they have an underrated coaching staff in the league. I just think all, I think all of those come together where it's like Memphis is just kind of discard, but like they've, they're just consistently good and they've drafted well, they're coached well. I just think it's a great organization. It is such a well-run. I mean, listen, they haven't been this well-run since probably Hubie Brown coached them a, a <laughs> long time ago, but you know, they're so well-run and you, you look, you, you went down the line of some of them, like, but think about some of the guys that they've, you know, they made a great trade. And you were like, you know, I was nervous at first, like Valanciunas for Stephen Adams, like what? And I'm like, well, it allows Jaron Jackson to develop and grow. So, you know, you got, you bring a guy like that. Kyle Anderson's been a very sneaky, good signing for them coming off the bench. We've talked about being drafting Dylan Brooks where he did, getting Brandon Clark, you know, Tyus Jones, he said the best probably backup in the league. You obviously talked about job, but the guys that, that I want to talk about that have been really, really good for them is Tillman, is Williams, uh, is Clark, and even Tilly's giving them something. Yep. So that is a team that and, – and they can beat you in different ways. They got size. They got speed. They got the ability to beat you off the bounce to create a shot. They can lock you up defensively. They can beat you in the full court game because of jaw. They are so intriguing. And, you know, Kendrick Perkins has a lot of crazy stuff sometimes. <laughs> but he said that Jaw's going to get a ring or two. Yeah. If that team stays together. I agree. I... That They're going to get a couple of rings because they have so much talent. And think about it. Williams, 20. Tillman, 22. Tilly, 23. Morant, 22. Tyus Jones, 25. Jaron Jackson, 22. Clark, 25. Dylan Brooks, 25. Kyle Anderson and Stephen Adams are the dinosaurs. They're 28. It's, that it's team's incredible. got like a – if they keep them together, bro, they got like a like a solid like five-year window where they can cause some serious damage. Well, the one thing I want to add, too, on the Zaire Williams and the uh, Killian Tilly – yeah, yeah, the Tilly um, draft picks – both guys were injured in college, but showed in the like short snippets that they played a bunch of talent. So that goes also to their training staff 
for being able to have that trust of like, yeah, they've had some injury issues, but we can take them in this spot and feel comfortable that they're either going to be rehabbed correctly or they're just going to be guided correctly, whether it's nutrition or whatnot, uh, your, your lifting program, whatever it may be, are under the right guidance to stay healthy and provide minutes. Zaire Williams to a lot was, was a reach when they took him 10th overall. Now, obviously it was rumored that Memphis really wanted Giddy and he was already off the board, but Zaire Williams was a stretch. He got, obviously came hot on the scene during the draft period. He kind of had a stinker year at Stanford after being a standout in high school, playing at Sierra Canyon and some other California high schools. And he's been a great role player. It's, it's those type of draft picks that, that extend title windows. Like when you do certain things where you have three, four guys that are solid, but then you're like, oh yeah, Zaire Williams, who was at one point a top three recruit coming out of high school, had an okay year in college, got dinged up, but we're going to take him. We're going to bank on that talent playing out. That's really how you help a franchise. No, you, you have to understand sometimes it's also by, you know, who coaches these guys, yep. you know, Zaire Williams going to Stanford, you know, well coached, you know, Xavier Tillman, <laughs> play for Izzo. I mean, who's better than him? Tilly playing, you know, for Mark Few. They, you, sometimes you got to, yes, you got to go get the talented guy, Jaron Jackson, Michigan State, Brandon Clark, Gonzaga, you know, Kyle Anderson. Yeah, I'll just say he got coached by Bob Hurley. That's enough. You, that's all you got to know about that kid at a young age, you know, you know, Dana Altman, which is who was a very, who was an underrated coach at Oregon coaching Dylan Brooks. You know, he's coached a lot of NBA guys. So you have to be able to trust your scouts and trust what you see and then project them out to the next level to see what happens. And they've done as good of a job as any organization in the last three or four years. Listen, before they got Ja, they, they were borderline dead in the water. Yeah. And, you know, Fisdale was gone and they have turned it quickly and you, like I said, they got this window. And you know what? For, for someone that's from New York and is a Nick fan, I like to see the small market team do well. I like to see the Memphis do well. I love that when Oklahoma City had it with their big three before they mistakenly blew it up. I want to see Minnesota do well. It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have New York and Boston and Chicago and LA win. But give me some of these teams that are from the middle of nowhere yeah. and, let, and let them gut it out and see if they can become, you know, a title contender. I think that's why Giannis went the chip last year was pretty cool too, is the Bucks obviously haven't been that great throughout their franchise history. And last time in the finals, you had to go back to the seventies. So, yep. but I want to go to our last topic and this goes to the team that the Grizzlies knocked out of the play in. What was that in the bubble two years ago? When, when did they knock out? Uh, Golden State, I'm trying to remember when they played each other this past year. This past year. And yeah. so I'm going to transition into the Steph Curry point because I've been shocked on the discourse around him. Like last year, he was unreal and it was dragging a team that wasn't interested in the playoff. Like Steve Curry even said earlier in the early to start the year, like we aren't interested in winning, right? And so he averaged 32 a game. They end up not even making the playoffs. And then coming in this year, they get much better. Now, I doubted that they were going to be marginally better i didn't think the vets they signed like by and stuff like that were gonna make a difference i was wrong I'll, i'll eat that gary payton the second is probably the best like acquisition when you're looking at like non draft stuff like what he's done for them as a small ball center or whatever you want to consider him as but curry hasn't been great this year and he's been lauded as the mvp he's the front runner right now and i gotta be honest i don't understand it he hasn't shot over 50 percent. he's only shot over 50 percent. excuse me once since December 1st. And he also just hasn't been that great. 
38% from three is good, but not Steph Curry good. That would be the lowest in his career. Overall, now I, I want the question of like, as he's bulked up recently, whether that's affected his shot. When he was chasing the three-point record, I feel like that threw him out of a flow. Their team has been better, but Steph's had some stinkers. And going back, I think these past two games, he missed something like 14 straight shots, which was the longest streak in his career. I want your thoughts on this because I don't understand why he's being looked at as the MVP when, to me, he hasn't even been one of the top five best players in the league this season. It's probably been his best passing season, but overall, I don't think he's been a top five player so far in the NBA. If you look at Steph and you look at his numbers, throw out 2019-2020, which he only played five games. So we're going to completely dismiss that. 42% is the lowest field goal percentage for his career in a season. His three-point shooting percentage is 38.8%, lowest of his career. His 3.4 turnovers tied for the second most in his career. Yes, He's had a great year and they've been phenomenal and he's going to get the credit because Wiseman is hurt Mm -hmm. and they haven't had clay. Yep. But when clay comes back, if clay is 80% of what he was, it's going to take MVP votes away from Steph. Just like, Oh my God, Kevin Durant. Great. 39 points last night. Yep. Second. Okay. But Ky- did you watch Kyrie in that fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Like Kyrie was the one that kind of got the nets rolling a little bit and started cooking in the fourth. So Kyrie is going to take away some of KD's votes. So to me, yes, Steph is phenomenal. But yes, he's had these stretches of bad shooting nights. You know, maybe he's getting dinged up. Obviously, he's not playing tonight. But you, I can't in my right mind, as someone that goes on sports grid and tells people about value, I can't pick Curry over, and I'm going to go right in order real quick. I could pick Durant for him, for MVP over him. Yep. I could pick Giannis over him. I could pick the Joker because he's missing more than anybody. Yes. I could take DeRozan way over him. I could take Ja over him. The stretch LeBron has had the last five weeks, I could put him over him. I could put Spider Mitchell over him. I'm going to put all those guys over Steph. But what is the narrative? It's the it, Steph is the guy – that because he's so slight and he's not overly athletic or quick is like he, he relates to like the average man. And I, and I'm, and I'm not disrespecting him. That's just oh, his, yeah. his slight of build, but I can't in my right mind say I would right now take Steph Curry for MVP. I, I, I would have him right now, probably fourth or fifth in my voting at, by the end of the year, because of not only the losing of the votes when clay comes back, but also I feel like there are guys statistically that are having better years that are bringing more to the table than Steph is. Yeah. Pat came on the podcast probably three, four weeks ago and we were talking about value for MVP and we were saying, you got to wait this out right now. I think you made a great point. Clay coming back is going to take votes from Steph. And I also think we have to wait what happens with this Kyrie and KD thing because Kyrie was asked last night and it seemed like his stance on possibly getting vaccinated could change in the near future. And it was non-committal, so we'll see what happens. But again, if he's in the lineup more, it's going to take away from KD. So you're going to have to look at Giannis. Jokic probably won't go back to back. I just don't see that happening for him. Now, I think he has been amazing. And I think a lot of people need to give him more credit for having over 150 million on IR between Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Along with like four other guys injured consistently. He has been marvelous. 
John Moran, I'm looking at FanDuel right now, plus 5,500. If Memphis can hang at, at, at that top four seed, I might have to sprinkle that. That's interesting that you brought it up because he's had some of these big time performances, which a lot of people attach like the MVP to. If they can get on national TV a few times uh, later in the season and he can go off against these bigger teams, the, the, the Grizzlies were on a road trip out West. I'm pretty sure they beat Phoenix. They beat the Golden State. Like they've made some statements. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. So they've made statements. I, I think it's interesting. I also think that, the NBA, the MVP has become a young man's award. I think it's something like 10 and the last 10 or 15 MVP award winners have all been under the age of 30. So pretty much if you're looking at that way, Katie and Steph are taken out right away. Now, obviously that could change this year, but just going off history off the past 15 years, it's been a young man's award. So I definitely think it's interesting to look at. Uh, and I agree with you. Listen, right now Memphis is, is a four seed and they're three and a half games up on Dallas in the division and as the five seed with the Mavericks, you have to sit there and look at Ja and look at his body of work. If, if you take, if you put these teams healthy, okay. Yeah. I don't care about the 901 record. I, I really don't. Cause I think anybody can get hot in a, in a, in a short stretch. We've seen it all the time. I mean, shoot, Houston looked like a playoff team three weeks ago until they hit the skids again. I know they got a nice win last night. But you, you, you take away Ja from that team for a long period of time, 25, 30, 40 games with everybody else, they don't duplicate the success. I think Golden State can be close. I think the Nets can be close. I think, next, I think, I think the one that would suffer the most probably besides them is probably going to be Denver with the Joker. Then you're probably looking at Giannis. You, you got to really look at the body of work that this guy's done. I said this a couple of days ago on SportsGrid. When he hit that shot on Phoenix with five-tenths of a second yep. left, Memphis arrived. I, I, know they, I know they beat Golden State. I know they got to the playoffs. But that was like a feel-good story with them. When they won that game in Phoenix – I said, oh, Christ, like this team is, they're not coming. They're here. And then the way they did it to the Nets, I don't think, I, you can put Kyrie in the lineup. I still think they beat, they still beat the Nets on Monday night. So you got to respect what he's done and the value that he's brought to that organization. And hopefully, like I said, he should be discussing. If people are listening, if you want odds, plus 5,500. It was plus like 7,000 less than a week ago. So he's trending that way. So if you want to get in, get in and take it now at plus 5,500. That's a nice little payout, you know, if you put, you know, even $10 on it for him to win MVP. Last point I want to make, and then I'll hand it over and you can plug your social media. They have a bunch of junkyard dogs. Like they don't waver. I think that's what I love about this roster is like against Phoenix, Devin Booker hits that shot and you're watching and you're like, all right, Phoenix got the dub. Like, like it was a good attempt from Memphis. Like they hang close. Like, but like, this is why the Suns came out of the West just here. Yeah. Jaw gets it, goes down. I forget, it was Michael Bridges and someone else contested uh, the lap. Was it Devin Booker? And he hangs in the air and pretty much like double clutches. I'm like, you have to watch it in slow-mo to appreciate how hard that finish was. And he makes it look so casual. And then he tells everybody 12 here, 12 here. Like the confidence he has, like you, some guys just exude it. Like this is their leader. They rally around him and 
that confidence just exudes through the, the, the team, the organization. And that's what Morant's done for Memphis. I just think it's been so cool. I, I get almost like butterflies talking about this team because I enjoy watching them so much. I mean, they're, they're just, they're just unbelievable to watch. And it's something that's going to be, you know, the stories that are going to come through the NBA, you know, is, is the resurgent bulls, you know, them being really good for the first time since Derek Rose and Tibbs, you know, in that MVP season before he tore his knee up. Memphis and what they do and Cleveland. Yep. Those are three really good stories that people would never have been discussing coming into the season. And that's going to be a pretty neat thing to see the last couple of months. Man, I love chopping it up with you. But this is my favorite part of the show. This is where I hand it over to my guests. You can plug your social media, where people can find you when you go on Sports Grid. The floor is yours. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Young and Jay. Uh, I do have uh, Instagram JRY02, but I don't, you know, I'm not the biggest <laughs> social media guy. Uh, you can see me on Twitter with my scouting report, which I released uh, pretty much every night. You should probably be coming out uh, with it in the next couple of minutes. Usually by about the six o'clock hour, you'll see it on all the Sports Grids uh, platforms. And then usually on Sports Grid, it depends on the night. You may see me with, with Scotty Farrell. Uh, I do game time decisions with, with uh, Gabe Morenti and Cam Stewart twice a week, usually Monday, Wednesday, and usually on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, or Tuesdays and Wednesdays, depending on the week, I go on with, uh, with Scott Wetzel and Dave Martinez at night at about 1025 on in-game live. So check me out. You know, it's, it's been great chopping it up with you. You know, I, I knew the day that Pat got you and I together on in-game live last week and Pat was like, yo, like, yo, y'all two are going to head it off. I'm like, hey, okay cool and then once we started talking and chopping it up I, I told pat right away i'm like yo i need this dude's number because your your thought process of of how you use analytics but with a coaching feel with the video breakdown is something that you and i do that a lot of other people don't do in this space and i think that's what makes us unique and and you definitely got a number, a new, uh, a fan of your podcast. I appreciate that. That's coach young. That does it for episode 63. And just like that, we're out. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.